I challenge you to a duel. Hello and welcome to the Movie Jewel Podcast. My name is Peter and I am your host. On each episode of the Movie Jewel Podcast, ordinarily we pick a subject that's based around movies and then myself and one of my Movie Jewelist co-hosts each pick a film that we think best fits that subject. However, this is one of our quick draw episodes in which I invite a special guest on uh, to talk about some of the Movie Jewels of past and get their opinion on the choices that we made and perhaps what they would have picked uh, for those subjects. This time around, I'm joined by the host of It's Transylvania, Lexi Bowen. Fantastic Lexi Bowen. This was a really enjoyable chat, um, and uh, just a fantastic episode of, of Quick Draw. Um, lots of fun to record. Um, but before we get into that, just a quick reminder about how you can get in touch with us uh, here at Movie Jewel Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, you can find us on X and on Threads at MovieJewelPod and you can also email us at MovieJewelPodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch, if you're a podcaster and you want to uh, guest on a future Quickdoor episode don't be afraid to to drop us a line and state your interest um, and uh, we'll add you to the list but that's enough from me, we'll head on over to my chat with Lexi Bowen um, I hope you enjoy. Is this the Transylvania station? So my guest on this edition of Quick Draw is YouTuber, blogger, and massive horror fan. I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> uh, she's the host of Transylvania, uh, and it's the amazing Lexi Bowen. Welcome to the Movie Your Podcast. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Fantastic. So for those uh, listeners that, that maybe don't know you, Lexi, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and, and Transylvania. Um, well, so I'm Lexi, uh, a massive horror fan, like you said. And um, yeah, Transylvania is basically actually started off as a blog. I, I was writing my blog on Medium um, just as a way for me to sort of talk about horror movies and things like that. Um, I'm a trans woman, so um, I have a, a relationship with horror that I'm not entirely sure anyone who isn't, I was going to say anyone who isn't trans then, but I think queer people as a sort of spectrum have a different relationship with the genre and with media in general, I think, to to mm-hmm. the, the rest of you. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and and it occurred to me that there were, there didn't seem to be an awful lot of people really talking about it in a way that I I felt should be talked about really. Yeah. So I started off writing my blog, looking at looking at these films and sort of looking at them um, in the way that I see them. And I and I came up with this idea. I thought, what if I could use films, the like films that I love, to talk about the issues that sort of concern me or that I'm concerned with. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was sort of the genesis of it. Um, but the more the more I wrote, the longer these essays, if you like, got um, until eventually I was like, "This is no one's reading this. This is a tome. It's like it's like the stand. No one's <laughs> reading that. <laughs> Go watch the mini series." Yeah. And I went, "Ah, mini series, brilliant!" So I'll I'll do some videos, and I've been doing uh, 
doing YouTube videos. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's quite interesting, the responses you get to them and stuff like that, because yeah, there are, it turns out that there are people out there that look at these films and think about them the way that I did. Yeah. I just, yeah. just didn't know that they were there. So yeah, God bless the internet, they say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've I've watched uh, two or three of, of your, your videos, and I just find them really fascinating. I think, you know, uh, well, it's you. not something you know I, that I would see that in those kind of films. And I mean, you know, especially um, one of my favourites that you've done is uh, Sleepaway Camp, um, yeah. which <laughs> is, you know, you, <laughs> some people got angry with me about that. Did they really? <laughs> well, I thought yeah. it was fascinating because yeah. I think it was, you know, it was looking at a film that. That outwardly is it could be labelled as massively transphobic, but you know the details and the points that you went through are, are absolutely true and something. Well, that no, I would yeah, agree exactly. With. I mean, that's that's the thing that I think is really interesting about. It. I mean, especially a film like Sleepaway Camp. I don't, I don't believe for a second that Robert Hilzik, the guy that directed mm. Sleepaway Camp, um, thought about any of this. I think he was just making. He was very much a an exploitation yeah, guy, yeah, right? Yeah. He's just making a slasher film. Um, I think he went on to be a lawyer or something like that. <laughs> something really strange. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I, I kept seeing all of these pieces about that movie and I love that movie. Like genuinely mm. love it. I mean, it is, it's complete and utter trash, yeah. but it's it's a trash to piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a disaster piece. Yeah. It's it's terrible, but it's brilliant. And um, and and yeah, I just kept seeing all of these pieces, people talking about it and stuff and saying, you know, oh, it's transphobic. And I just thought this is such surface level reading mm-hmm. of a movie. Because because the thing is, Angela, at least in that first movie, you've got to ignore the sequels. But <laughs> as a horror fan, I'm sure we're all yeah, yeah. used to ignoring the sequels. Um, but, uh, but in that first movie, Angela isn't trans by the actual definition of, no. of being a trans person, you know um and and so it become then when you start realizing that you realize actually it becomes this whole sort of like strangely positive take on <laughs> forcing someone into a gender they don't identify yeah, with yeah. so so yeah but yeah i would thoroughly recommend that anybody who who likes sort of dissecting uh, films in general, I suppose, is I would thoroughly recommend uh, giving giving your episodes a, a watch because I just find them fascinating, really fascinating. Oh, thank you. And I'm about halfway through your Ghost Watch one at the moment as well. <laughs> I'm a massive yeah. massive fan of Ghost Watch. I remember watching it when I was a wee boy, live on the oh, night. I, <laughs> I I love Ghost Watch, and I think I bottled it a little bit in the end because when I released that, I released it as a Bridget Jones episode. Um, <laughs> But obviously, I was doing a, a ghost watch twist, yeah, if yeah. you like. That was that was the idea there. Um, but I mean, I don't know how far you are, but it is also about Bridget James. She comes back. Oh so, right, okay. You know, mm, yeah, very scary then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, and, and just, just tell everybody how they can uh, find uh, you, your show um, and where they can maybe get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm on all the socials, all of them, all 18 billion of them. Um, you know, threads, Twitter, is it Twitter? Twitter X, X. Yeah, yeah. the site formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> um, Blue Sky, Mastodon. Um, I don't really use Mastodon, but the others, you know, I'm on all of those at It's Transylvania. Um, and that's the same for YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at It's Transylvania. So, yes, yeah, that's how you can find me. And we'll also drop some uh, some links in the, in the show notes for, for all of Lex's uh, um, links as well. 
Okay. Uh, so, um, this is one of our quick draw episodes. So, basically what we do on here is that I will present uh, Lexi with some of our movie jewel subjects of past uh, and sort of talk a tiny bit about our choices and, and perhaps what uh, Lexi's choices would have been uh, for each of these episodes. So, Lexi, are you ready to delve into some of the subjects? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> so is uh, the, the, always the starter for everybody that I've uh, ever had on Quick Draw so far. I've got to start at the very beginning. So episode one, which was the most underrated sequel ever made. We went with uh, Predator 2, which was my choice, and Gremlins 2, the new batch, uh, which was uh, Liam's choice. Uh, but what say you, Lexi? Well, so, I mean... Out of your two choices, I think, I mean, they're both excellent choices. Predator 2 is a surprisingly good movie. Um, I don't know if it's a good sequel to Predator. Yeah, yeah, I, can, I get that. <laughs> if yeah. that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, right. But it is also a very, very good movie. I always think the Predator franchise in general is quite fascinating because why not just do it as an anthology structure? Mm. Why not just put it in different time periods? Yeah. There's a Predator and it fights knights or pirates you know i'm hoping that that's what dan trashenberg is doing um post prey yeah uh because i really enjoyed prey mm -hmm. um but yeah so so predator 2 is really good but if i'm picking out of the two choices <laughs> that you picked it, it's gonna be gremlins 2 because oh my god gremlins 2 <laughs> is uh it I mean, the Gremlins break the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Then, and then Hulk, and then Hulk Hogan gets angry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's brilliant. It's got Christopher Lee in it. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like Dante took what made the original Gremlins great, <laughs> but then was like, I'm not going to do any of the Spielberg stuff anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to do any of the It's a Wonderful Life Christmas stuff or anything <laughs> like that. I'm just going to do. Joe Dante. It is literally Joe Dante unhinged. So yeah, that that would be my choice out of the okay. two that you chose. But uh, would you would you have picked anything other than those or? Oh, um. So I actually <laughs> I thought about this quite a lot. Um, with with a lot of these choices, I thought about them, and I you know I sort of tried to decide: do I pick something that's a little bit uh, left field, or do I go for the obvious one for a little? little while i was thinking about does does silent night deadly night four count four no <laughs> yeah only no two one and two because it's well it, it's the best of the silent night deadly night film. not that that's a hard well. thing <laughs> to do um but it's the best of them it's directed by brian yusner who did society bride of reanimator oh, the well, dentist well. um yeah and uh, it was released in, I think, 1990. It's about this journalist who investigates um, a witch's coven. It's very, very Christmassy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, um, but I, I decided in the end that actually I think that might be a little bit obscure. And I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if a fourth entry counted. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got yeah. I got hung up on this concept of what a yeah, sequel, sequel is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so in the end, I thought, no, I'm going to go for what was my what was my very, very first choice. When I first heard that episode, the first thing I thought was, it's Ghostbusters 2. Yes, yes. Great choice. Great choice. Because it's just because it's just not that bad. No, I don't. I don't know why people hate it. It's not the best sequel ever. Not by a long shot, no. you know, 
Um, it's nowhere near as good as the original, but it's definitely underrated. Like people make out like it's terrible, but it's it's got Vigo the Carpathian, yeah. Pe- Peter McNichol, <laughs> um, you know the terrifying the bathtub scene that used to freak yeah. me out when I was a kid. You know the epic climax of the Statue of Liberty yeah. and. I, I mean, I, I get that it's got like a more family friendly tone, and and I think that's what puts see, people I, off. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think it's scarier than the first one. Uh, but I well, I agree. There are elements, and I think there's also part of it being more family friendly that then makes it scarier almost because mm. it because it takes you off guard. Then yes. you know you're you're left sort of you're watching. I mean, but I think what it is is it's it's more like a real Ghostbusters film. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a film of the cartoon than it is necessarily a sequel to um, the original. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't like this thing as well. There seems to be this thing as well, I think, which is like something something when it's family friendly is seems to be equated to like bad or lazy. And I really don't like that. Mm. That bothers me a lot. Um, So, yeah, Ghostbusters 2 would be my choice because. Good choice. I love Ghostbusters 2. (laughs) Very, very good choice. I don't think. I mean, myself and Liam are big Ghostbusters fans, and I don't. I don't think either of us even considered that. But yeah, epic choice, great. Um, so moving on to uh, what was our episode three. So this was still with Liam, and we talked about the most overrated uh, best picture winner at the Oscars, <laughs> um, which was Liam's choice of Titanic from 1997, and my choice for Braveheart from 1995. Yeah, so I said to you before we started filming that there's one thing that I I need to have words with you about. Okay. Um, And this is it. So I have to, I have to stick up for my beloved Titanic. Okay. (laughs) Because you guys are so harsh on it. And, and like Titanic, I think it's, it's, it's actually kind of, I don't know if it's, I don't, I'd actually call it kind of underappreciated, I think, in a bizarre sort of way. <laughs> because, like, a lot of the criticisms that people seem to hurl at it seem to me at least to, to, to sort of misunderstand what it is. I don't think Titanic is supposed to be subtle. It's it's this high drama. It's <laughs> melodrama, you know. It's it's Douglas Sirk meets Irwin Allen, the imitation of life meets the Poseidon adventure, you know. It's it's these two very over the top film genres crashing into one another. Um and even then like they become exaggerated versions of themselves as well. So you think you if you think about it, you've got like the grand melodramatic love story and there's always a tragedy at the end. Well in Titanic we get a grand melodramatic love story and the tragedy is one of the most significant tragedies in all of human history played like it's the towering inferno it's uh, i i love it <laughs> don't, i don't think i'm ever going to be swayed on titan i actually saw a meme quite recently which was uh, it was a picture of old rose and it's basically said the greatest love story ever told and then at the bottom it said i slept slept with a homeless man and then watched him drown <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I get it, right? I get I get what what people have an issue have an issue with it, and it's quite an unusual film for Cameron to tackle. Mm. I think like that's quite an unusual thing for him to have done. Um, you know, I was going to say, especially when you look at his filmography before, but when you look at his filmography afterwards as well, it's a very strange movie for him oh, to have yeah. decided to make. But yeah, I mean, I just I think it's just. Don't take it so seriously. It, I think, I think it, I think it lulls people into a false sense of what it is because it's based on a true story, and it's, 
I mean, it's quite problematic in in terms of its representation of a lot of the real people and stuff. You know, yeah. Um, there, there's some issues there and stuff too. But if you look at it as just this sort of really expensive, ridiculous melodrama disaster pick, it is. Ah, oh, chef's kiss. I, I, I love Titanic. <laughs> I must admit, I think I did say on the episode, I didn't. I, I still, there was still a bit of enjoyment for me and it didn't feel like the nearly three hours that it is as well when I rewatched <laughs> it. But, you know, I, I certainly won't be in a rush to rewatch it again. I, I went to go see Titanic. It was one of the first 12s that I got to go and see at the cinema. Yeah. There, and I went to go and see it 12 times. <laughs> 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 I love Titanic. Um, I know it's terrible. I know it's terrible. Well, I love it. But what, what would you have picked then? What would you? What would your choice have been? So I really, I struggled a lot with this one. Okay. Um, because like the Oscars are old. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, you know, I, I'd say these days you could choose something like Casablanca or The Apartment or All About Eve, which is one of my favourite films, right? And you could. You could choose one of those and say that that they're kind of overrated, I guess, to a yeah. certain degree, because because they're not really um, they're not really sort of talked about in the same way as they were then. Or like, but any anyway, you know. Then you've got like um, you've got like uh, the se- the 70s era, New Hollywood, right? You know, mm-hmm. like look look at The Exorcist. The, the same year that The Exorcist was nominated. Um, and, and the fact that The Exorcist didn't win any mm-hmm. awards is an actual travesty. Mm-hmm. But the same year that The Exorcist was nominated, you you had like what did you have? Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, I think, or was it The Sting? I think it, The Sting. Won. No, it was One flew over the cuckoo's nest. One was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, that was a close consideration um, for me. I do like One flew over the cuckoo's nest, but The Exorcist is The Exorcist. It's brilliant. I, I mean, yeah, it's just it's mad, you know. And you look at all the movies that that got overlooked mm. or or nominated but overlooked in 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 that period of time and 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 you start thinking like well okay how many of how many of these do you then consider how many of the ones that won over those do we then consider overrated mm. you know what's the metric for being overrated yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know you because because uh how how are we judging this on on what people say about it or on what it be over because like you could pick green book which is relatively new but that film but no one ever talks about that film anymore you know um so anyway i i, I decided i was going to sort of combine all of these different things together and and try and use that to pick just one that i think is actually really really overrated and i know i know this is going to piss a lot of people off okay and i'm sorry guys but my pick is forrest gump wow okay Okay. So, firstly, can we talk about how that's a film that beat out both Pulp Fiction mm. and The Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> and you honestly expect me to sit here and pretend that Forrest Gump is on a level with either of those movies? Like, <laughs> come on. Even if you like Forrest Gump, then come yeah. on. Like, you know. Yeah, I can um, see your point, definitely. Uh, it also, I think it also beat Four Weddings in a Funeral, but mm. whatever. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the thing about Forrest Gump, right? It's actually quite a nasty flick mm. <laughs> when you start to think about oh, yeah, it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite mean spirited. Like, it, I, I suppose that's the first thing that's worth bringing bringing up is like that Tom Hanks is like 
Well, you know the Tropic Thunder joke, yeah? You know about about Ben Stiller playing simple joke. Yeah, oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a bit iffy in and of itself. I think there's, there, I think there might be a, you know, it's hashtag problematic, whatever you want to call it. But, like, uh, you know, there, there, there's that element of it. Um, but mostly, I think it, can we swear on this podcast, by the way? <laughs> you can say whatever you like, yeah. Okay, well, mostly then, I think it's just sort of bullshit American propaganda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, look at how it treats Forrest versus look at how it treats Jenny, for example. Mm-hmm. So, um, Forrest as a character literally just does what he's told by other people, right? Yeah. He's, he's told to run, he's told to join the army, he's told to go into the shrimping business, so on, so on. Like, he, he literally just fails upwards. Everything works out perfectly for Forrest. Yeah. But then when we con- when we contrast that with Jenny, whose story is actually horrifying and tragic, mm-hmm. right? Like, she has trauma. She was abused by her dad. She's beaten up, sexually assaulted. Like, all of this terrible, terrible stuff happens to her. And her crime is to go against the grain. She doesn't conform mm-hmm. to the American standard. She's part of the counterculture movement, mm-hmm. you know? And the way it treats the hippies in general is is quite an issue i think like and in the end she dies for it as well you know like yeah, yeah, probably, um yeah. and 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 it's you know that there's that element of it that i think is sort of a bit nasty i mean also i think she i'm pretty sure she kind of takes advantage of forest mm-hmm. in front of her roommate as well yeah. <laughs> i'm not sure that that's like why is this considered a family friendly film yeah. because that's like ew like Oh, yeah, there's um, lots of elements of that as well. You know, there's, <laughs> his mum sleeping with the principal to get him into the school, and yeah, I so so I rewatched Forrest Gump after you sent me over the, <laughs> the list of things. And when I was watching it, and I haven't watched it in a very long time, when I was watching it, I was like, "Does Forrest live in a brothel?" Yeah, is that is that what's going on there? It could be. Yeah, maybe that's how why Elvis was there. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, I just, I just think it's, it's, you know, and I mean, if you wanted to dive deeper as well, I've, I've also read some pieces and stuff that that talk about Forrest as a character takes credit for a lot of like significant Black American history. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so like the breaking of the color bar- barrier in American universities. Yeah. Um, he's sh- he's shown to be the guy that uh, that catches the Watergate burglars, um, and that and that was a, a black person. Um, so it's like this weird sort of whitewashed <clears throat> version of American history. It's just like American propaganda, I think. Like, and I know it's it's fun because it's got lots of pop songs and like you know Zemeckis is like mm-hmm. the king of the needle drop, if you like. But but yeah, I mean it's just it's so overrated. <laughs> it's so overrated. Yeah, it did sort of float in my consideration that one because Pulp Fiction should definitely have won. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think as much as I love Shawshank Redemption, I think Pulp Fiction is. I'd have been happy with either one, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But Forrest Gump is like just, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. So <laughs> moving on to, to episode four, which was, again, myself and Liam, we taught uh, childhood trauma or for kids' films that scared us. Um, and we taught uh, Return to Oz from 1985, which was my choice and Liam's choice, of The Watcher in the Woods from 1980. First of all, have you seen Watcher in the Woods? Um. So... I have this sort of vague memory of starting to watch it and then thinking it was really terrible. And I looked it up online when you sent over the list, and I think I might have watched 
the Melissa Joan Hart remake. All right, with is it Angelica Houston? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so I don't think so. I don't think I have <laughs> no. Um, but even if I haven't, nothing's going to. I don't know if any out of those two choices, nothing's going to be. There's one film, in my opinion, that you could add to that that group that would be Return to Oz. Because mm. Return to Oz, I mean, what the hell? Mm. What's, what is that it's movie? It's just incredible, isn't it? <laughs> Considering the whole history and heritage of The Wizard of Oz and how it's important to cinema and they make a film nearly 50 years later that is just dark and grim and scary as fuck, basically. And what, what's so funny about it as well is that it's so heavily positioned as being a sequel. Yeah. Like, like it's called Return to Oz. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. So I'm supposed to watch The Wizard of Oz. And <laughs> watch Return, yeah. <laughs> and then watch Return to Oz <laughs> and think of them as one coherent story. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Return to Oz is, like I said, there's one film that I can think of that I think might potentially beat out Return to Oz okay. as being the most terrifying kids movie. And even then it's it's you know very close but it's the witches the the nicholas rowe yes. film the witches yes from 1990 i think um because i mean good choice it's not even it's not even trying to pretend not to be terrifying yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's it's a it's a very it was it was a very close call for me between the witches and, and return to Oz. Uh, yeah, I mean the witches is just it's it's full on body horror, gloopy practical <laughs> effects like the, you know, um, Jim Henson's works. It wouldn't be out of place in a Brian Yusner film. Some of the stuff mm-hmm. that's going on in that movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that someone, someone somewhere, when I want to adapt a Roald Dahl book, let's get the guy that directed Don't Look yeah, Now. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, but I mean, what's I think what's fascinating with the witches as well is especially I mean my. My daughter's nine, so she's you know she's really got into sort of Roald Dahl over the last few years, and we got the book. I haven't watched the film with it yet, but and you sort of think, well, surely the book can't be this dark, but the book's actually probably darker than the film. Yeah, so I read I read the book to my kids, um, and if I remember correctly, a big bulk of it is just the scene in in the conference room, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it goes into like loads and loads of detail about about her transformation and like and I mean you look at the the illustrations who did the illustrations Quentin Blake Quentin Blake yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you look at the illustrations and then you look at Rogue's movie and I mean spot on mm. you know like it it is it, Angelica Houston was made for that yeah. that role and Morticia Adams she was made for those yeah absolutely um, I mean and and it. And if you want to see how wrong an adaptation of The Witches can go, look at Zemeckis. Why am I shitting on Zemeckis so much? <laughs> but like, look at Zemeckis' movie because that movie sucks. I haven't even <laughs> I haven't even attempted to watch it. It just looked terrible well, in the trailer. So, so the video that I'm the script that I'm currently writing for my next video is is about quote unquote child friendly horror. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm sort of using both versions of the witches as as a sort of a framing device Mm -hmm. because um because i think it's that that shows you what's happened to the 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 child-friendly horror Mm. genre you know it's it's really gone somewhere (laughs) else entirely because 
you look at the night like that movie is i i don't i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand <laughs> how anyone made that film and then watched it and then went yes this is a child's movie <laughs> let's show this to children yeah um yeah okay um so then we're going firmly into 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 horror with episode seven um and uh an episode or my well what second episode with uh with nicole davis um in which we talked about our choices for best liminal space horror movie um with my choice of event horizon 1997 and nicole's choice of pulse from 2001 and obviously the only rule for this episode was that you can't pick the shining because nothing beats the shining. yeah yeah so i i wondered if i should be really snarky and pick dr sleep <clears throat> <laughs> um and then just get to talk about the overlook anyway yeah. but i don't but i don't know if it really works um uh so so out of you guys choices i, I and i'm gonna sound like a a twat here i think but Pulse is one of the most dull films I've ever seen. Like it's it's so boring. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I I, <laughs> I I did, and I mentioned on the episode. It is very, It's it's at least it's at least half an hour too long, I would say. But I think within it, it's got so. Much, I think <clears throat> it has some of the creepiest sort of J horror scene, and I think. I mean, I so I love J horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't seen enough of it, and I and I'm very hyper aware of that fact. But I, you know, the 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 big classics. I'm I'm big fan of of the although I think Dark Water is better actually, if I'm being honest with you. But you know, I I love J horror. I just found Pulse so dull. <laughs> I I found it a, a struggle to get yeah. through. You know, um, whereas Event Horizon is a proper banger. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's... So any like Sam Sam, Sam Neil scream is <laughs> is the greatest thing ever committed to, to Sioid. Yeah, <laughs> and you get that in the first minute of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. I, I mean, I, it's just so much fun. Event Horizon. I think it's probably the the first sort of extreme horror film that I saw. I think because um, I would have been for so just probably 15 when I saw that and it just bothered me for for months I think I was probably roughly a, a, around the same sort of age I think I rented it um, I'm not sure how I first saw it I think I must have rented it I think my brother it's... recorded it off Skybox Office, can you remember Skybox Office? It was like... I do remember Skybox <laughs> Office yeah. which was great, you could rent Those the films the but you could tape them so it was like yes yeah <laughs> but um I mean, I I don't think I realised it was. I, I I mean, I knew it was a horror, but I think I expected it to be like aliens. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched it, and it's and it's like Hellraiser, that took me by surprise. Um, so yeah, really <clears throat> good movie, great movie that is. Um, yeah, if I if, for my choice, um, I basically I I listened to the episode because I wasn't entirely sure mm. what liminal space horror meant. Yeah. Really. Um, because I think liminal space is it's open to funnily interpretation. Enough, funnily <laughs> enough, it's quite a liminal phrase. Yeah, yeah, you know, course, it's, yeah. it's quite um, so so it's very much open to interpretation. Um, but I listened to the episode and then I thought to myself, 
uh, okay, what David Lynch film can I pick then? Because because <laughs> any David Lynch film is is gonna fit the bill, basically. I think. Um, so I decided that the Lynch film that I'm gonna pick is Lost Highway. Um, okay from 1997 it's got uh um bill pullman and uh rosanna arquette in it and um it's it's one of the only lynch films i haven't seen i've seen the the two that i haven't seen and they're they're absolutely they're supposed to be absolute bangers which is lost highway and mulholland drive i still haven't seen. oh my god those are those are the two those are the two best ones (laughs) i know yeah (laughs) But but yeah, I mean, so so Lost Highways, you know, it, it, it's it's there's a lot of Mulholland Drive about Lost mm-hmm. Highway, or that should be the other way around. I think Mulholland Drive came later, but but like they're very similar um, in the sense that they're both sort of they're, they're both kind of noirish, mm-hmm. um, but but they're also they've they've got that Lynchian dreamlike weird quality to them yeah. where everyone feels very disconnected, um, you know. Uh, like, I mean, basically everything that David Lynch has done could <laughs> technically fall into this category, yeah. I think. I mean, Twin Peaks is just liminal space, the TV mm, show. Yeah. Like, um, but but I went with Lost Highway because it's, it's I think it's quite underrated in, in the Lynch canon. Okay. Um, you know, and uh, people, people get funny about it. Like, <laughs> I remember reading some reviews about it and... and, and they seem to get fixated on the fact that on the soundtrack is some Ramstein, and, <laughs> right, and okay. it's like I don't know why that matters no. really. Lynch, Lynch putting Ramstein on his soundtrack just seems like a very Lynchian thing to do. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Um, uh, but but B, it's just got this exceptionally creepy vibe about it. Mm. Like everything about it feels sort of tran- transitionary, you know. Like it's the world is empty, but but it's not quite empty. Yeah. Like no one feels like they're really there. At one point, Pullman goes to a party, right? And you can hear the music, but there's like no background chatter. Mm. And he's just walking around and like, everyone just seems to exist. Like not really <laughs> exist. It's like, it's, it's so, it, it's just, it's Lynch. Yeah. You know, um, it's also really horny. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, I think it's, I think it's Lynch's response to like the erotic thriller. All oh, right. Yeah. Um, so it's got that sort of like, you know, basic instinct, I think came out in 92. Yeah. Um, so it feels like this is sort of almost a Lynch responding to that right. to a certain degree. Okay. Um, yeah, brilliant. Okay, cool. Uh, so then next we went to episode 10, um, which was again with, uh, Nicole, uh, which we titled, uh, failed nostalgia or basically films that we used to love, but we watched recently and, uh, and thought. Uh, thought against our original uh, thoughts um so i went with um batman forever from 1995 and nicole went with face off from 1997 um but what about you anything that you've seen recently that doesn't stand the test of time (laughs) so so this is the this is the only category that i wrote my notes and then i went actually I can't pick that because this is going to open up a whole can of worms. <laughs> and so, so basically initially, because this was just the first thing that came into my head was Harry Potter. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like that 
might be a conversation that this pod is not the best place to have. <laughs> <Possibly>. <laughs> like, needless to say, as as much as I enjoyed those world and characters back then, now they carry a certain implication yeah. that doesn't really gel with me. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's I think that's fair. You know, everybody's film watching experiences of their own, and you know, you, there's. It's easy for things that, you know, I have the same, not that it's exactly the same reasoning, but um, when Jeepers Creepers first came out, I was a massive fan of that film. Massive fan. And I had it on DVD and watched it endlessly. And then years later, find out the story of the director and the fact that he was um, convicted of sexual abuse of a child and things like that. And it's like, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to I don't think you can separate the certain things and some some of those things will be personal some think those things will be um morally wrong or whatever but you can't uh, if you can't get past it you're never going to be able to enjoy that film again no exactly yeah i mean that's that's very very true and and i i'm quite good i think at sort of you know separating art from the artist or whatever like i mean rosemary's baby is is one of my you know all-time favorite films mm-hmm. and polanski is an issue um so you know and, and buffy the vampire slayer mm-hmm. is my favorite tv show and whedon mm-hmm. is an issue mm-hmm. um so i'm very good at separating them anyway but obviously the harry potter thing impacts me on a personal level yeah. as well um yeah. so so there's that so i thought i think actually i need to pick something that's probably going to be less controversial <laughs> so i decided i'd pick star wars <laughs> <laughs> Because if there's one thing we know about Star Wars fans, it's that they never lose their shit over inconsequential things that don't matter. (laughs) You know, uh, through most of, well, some of the episodes that we've done, the, the, you know, episodes, the main episodes of this podcast and through these quick draw episodes as well, there's been a lot of shit on Star Wars, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. (laughs) Well, so I'm picking specifically the original trilogy here, right? Because, because... (laughs) <laughs> I loved Star Wars when I was a kid. I loved it so much. Like it was, it was um, the they were the films that I, you know, I went to sleep with, and I had all the toys. I had the Millennium Falcon, and and um, I had all the little mini figurines, and um, I had like a Death Star Lego set, and I, I just, I absolutely loved Star. Wars. I used to make little stop motion movies with my star wars toys and and i i loved it um and when the prequels came out i went to go and see all of those and you know i was probably the right sort of age for the for the phantom menace when it came out i i remember going to see attack of the clones and being like what what fresh hell is this this is (laughs) this is not i don't know what's going on here um but uh but it wasn't but the prequels didn't take away my love of the originals mm. you know i still i still love the originals but these days i just don't care mm. like i just don't and and they've run it into the ground so much that it's actually now impacted my opinion of the originals if i watch the originals now if i watch a new hope now the first thing that pops into my head after the text rule goes up is oh Darth Vader was just on that ship doing all of his fucking force powers and things like that. And now he can barely fight an old man. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just, 
it's they've ruined it they've ruined it and i'm very much not a believer in this like oh they've ruined my childhood or or whatever you know oh no you don't like indiana jones kingdom of the crystal skull well just just watch up to last crusade then but um <laughs> but but like yeah i just i just i'm i'm so done it just feels yeah it's i think so... i think i don't think you're alone in that at all i mean i'm not i'm still a big mark for for star wars and i probably always will be but I, I can get it. I can understand that. I think it's it's a very, it is the arc, and I found that with the. I was really looking forward to the Obi Wan series, and it's it is good. It was good, but it's like that you're going a bit, you're going really too far now in in messing with the history. Well, I almost feel like they've narrowed, like they've taken what is an expansive world, yeah. and they've narrowed it down into this like <clears throat> really basic core cast of characters and it's like i don't want that i want give me give me a david fincher star wars movie you know <laughs> give me a star wars horror film mm -hmm. give me give me a star wars screwball comedy like i want to see other stories in this galaxy yeah. mm -hmm. tell me tell me other things that are going on you know mm -hmm. like show me a show me a different side or a unique side or whatever yeah. but it's just it's just the same thing over and over someone suggested that i that i watch andorra because they were like oh it's much more about the politics and stuff and i put it on and it's that's just the same again just stop <laughs> making the same thing i don't care please stop <laughs> well i think on that note we'll uh we'll take uh, a short break um just to 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 uh, uh calm ourselves down <laughs> From the Star Wars hype. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll be back in a minute. the intermission so this is the part of the episode in which i ask my guests a random question a question that they've not prepared for and get their honest first answer so lexi are you ready for your intermission question um, i'm as ready as i'll ever be yeah <laughs> this is the part of the podcast i've been the most nervous about <laughs> everybody the the, the the movie duelists the other four the, the four co-hosts they absolutely hate this for some reason i love it but there we go <laughs> uh, so uh, since your your show is called Transylvania, uh, I thought I would uh, give you a question of that ilk. Um, so, what do you think is the best portrayal of Count Dracula? Oh no! What a horrible question! <laughs> um, oh my god! So, it, I, I I'm probably probably for me, it's going to be Christopher Lee. I think. Okay um in in the hammer films uh because he's just really sexy <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's definitely and, the most gentlemanly uh count dracula and his yeah his voice and i mean i, I i'm a sucker for a voice like that. i mean even in lord of the rings you know he's <laughs> saruman and i say oh yeah, keep talking saruman you can spin me around as much as you want um but <laughs> But yeah, um, so he'd probably be my favourite. I don't know if he's if he's in the best Dracula films, though. Mm. You know, that's sort of two different questions. I think I guess like my favourite portrayal would be Christopher Lee, but I think my favourite Dracula film is is probably genuinely the the Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, absolutely. Movie. I think um, 
I think Gary Oldman would be my choice. I do. Really I love I it. I love that film, and I love that film because it's so melodramatic and it's so over the top. Mm-hmm. And the only person that seems to understand what movie he's in is Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Everyone else is playing on totally different <laughs> levels. Keanu Reeves, bless him, he's trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know who decided to cast here. Well, I do. It's Francis Ford yeah. Capel, obviously. But you know that what what bizarre decision. Mm. But yeah, God, that movie is, is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I would an honorable honorable mention for me would be uh, Duncan Regeer in uh, the Monster Squad. Um, oh yeah, fair enough. Very, yeah. You know that. I mean, I love that film. It's great. Anyway, I talked about that on a recent guest spot on another podcast and it is just incredible he just sets the tone of that film absolutely spot on um and a second honorable mention because i just love it is les les Nielsen in dracula dead and loving it <laughs> oh my god love it. dracula dead and loving it is is so good mm. you can't buy that here no. in the uk it's it's not no. it's not it did, a, it, did it, a, it, it did do the rounds on netflix about two years ago um, and then just sort of disappeared. Or was it iPlay? It might have been iPlayer or something like that. I was going to say, how did I miss that? Because mm. that movie, that's Peter Manickel again, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, Love it. but yeah, it's, 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 it's Mal Brooks's Van Helsing, I think, for me. And it's when he says she will... I'm not going to do an impression, but it's when he says she will become one herself. That is... <laughs> <laughs> what? That is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's vastly underrated. Vastly underrated. Um, but yeah, we'll call that the end of the intermission. Thank you very much, Lexi. Thank you. Okay, so then we're moving uh, moving on to episode 13, so another horror-related question for you. Uh, our choices for worst horror remake, this was myself and uh, Vanessa, uh, and we talked through uh, The Wicker Man from 2006 and Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007. So I actually, um, <laughs> I, I quite like... The 2006 Wicker Man. Okay. Um, I, I, it's, it's it's not a good remake, like, and it's not a good film. But but I'd be lying if I said I didn't have fun any time I've watched it. Um, now I I can sort of get that, but especially because this time I watched it, it was on Amazon Prime. Ah, oh, so it's the theatrical, it was a theatrical version. Yeah, which nah, was I fought that one. Any, off. any of that yeah. sort of semblance of a bit of you know charm to it that you know maybe the you haven't even got the bees. No, it's not even got the bees or anything yeah. like that. Which I was look, I was kind of looking forward to in a sick perverted way. Um, it was just, <laughs> it was just completely boring. It was like Nicolas Cage in this sort of Hovis bread advert with his little bike going around an island. <laughs> Punching women. To be fair, that sounds <laughs> that sounds fantastic. And Nicholas, not the punching women bit, no. but Nicholas Cage in in a Hovis bread advert mm. is something that I very much want to see. Um, but yeah, no. So so if I was picking out of your two choices, it would be Rob Zombie's Halloween because that movie's just absolute trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yep. Talk about misunderstanding what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the first half of that movie is literally just misunderstanding everything yeah. that makes the second half of the movie mm-hmm. any good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but he did his mask looks awesome. Yes, to be fair. I think I said um, it on the episode. He's the best. It probably is the best looking Michael Myers. Yeah, and I think David Gordon Green took a lot from that mm-hmm. design um, when he brought it back because, because yeah, he does like Rob Zombie. I like I like Zombie's aesthetic. I just don't think yeah. he's a very good filmmaker, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, my my pick um, would probably be. Wow, I I sort of got two, I guess actually. Because I, because I wanted initially, I wanted to pick Child's Play, the the twenty nineteen okay. one. I've I, I I've shit on Star Wars, and now I'm going to shit on another Mark Hamill <laughs> performance as well. Um, Zemeckis and Hamill are getting it this yeah, episode, yeah. but um, but um, but yeah, that maybe just blows. Like it's so bland, it's generic. It's a big mistake losing the supernatural aspect. Um, it loses the goofiness. Like if you want a fun killer doll for modern sensibilities, watch Megan. No one needs Charles Play 2019. And I and I love the fact that that Don Mancini and like the original because like, Chucky is my favourite, right? I think I've mentioned it on basically every video mm-hmm. I've done. Um, I love Chucky. I adore the Chucky franchise, and I love the fact that that franchise looked at them making a remake and then just went, yeah, well fuck you whatever and just carried on anyway see it's the only yeah. franchise to survive the remake treatment yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh but yeah anyway give me tiffany give me glenn and glenda <laughs> give me nika and handy and kyle and the tv series i absolutely love it um but but then that was what that was what i wanted to pick and then i remembered that jan de Bont's the haunting exists yes Yes, that was that was my film for a good chunk because I can I, I must have just put Rob Zombie's Halloween way out of my mind and not even considered it, and it was for a long time it was going to be the Wicker Man versus the Haunting for a long time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, this could have been one for my nostalgia pick mm. um, because I did quite like it when I first saw it as a kid. Yeah. But fuck me, this movie is like. You know, what is going on? Yeah. Like you look at Robert Wise's film, right? The is it, is it 63, the 1963 one? And it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Mm. It's 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 creepy. Mm. It's one of the best ghost stories on film, I reckon. Yeah, and you don't right? see, you see nothing, nothing in that. Uh, film. No, nothing. Ha- like it's it, yeah, it's it's a masterclass in how to do a ghost story. Yeah. And then and then you've got this <laughs> like, like you know it's weird it's like i don't know like jan de bont you know he made speed and twister and those two movies i actually quite enjoy right and 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 then he made the haunting and i don't know if he ever recovered really because i think, think after, after that he did tomb raider 2 is, is it, it? Two? Like the, the oh, joe wow, okay. the joe me one i think or something but like which, to be fair tomb raider 2 if i remember rightly is the better of the two joe me movies mm. but but that's not saying an awful no. lot. And and also, just Christ. I mean, Owen Wilson gets his head knocked off by a giant lion mm-hmm. thing. Like, I, it's just, it's so terrible. I don't know what's good. Bad CGI. <laughs> the characters are irritating. 
I don't know what it's going on. And it's it's even funnier when you look at the other two main adaptations of Shirley Jackson's book. Mm-hmm. So you've got Robert Weiss's film on one side, yeah. and then you've got Mike Flanagan's The Morning Hill House yeah. on the other side. And then in the middle, <laughs> it's just a shit sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a shocking film. Absolutely shocking film. And I mean, at that sort of time, I was, I was really sort of being, you know, really getting into horror and just sort of trying to lap up as much as I could. And I remember watching that and thinking, what? What? What is this? <laughs> like, that is the only... They should put it on the poster. Yeah. What is what this? Is this? What's just this question mark. Uh, <laughs> Movie Jewel podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then we moved on to episode 15, which was um, uh, talking controversial. Uh, worst prequel ever made uh, with Tarka's choice of uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and my choice of Exorcist at the beginning. So I don't agree with Temple of Doom. No. don't know what the... Like, Temple of Doom's great. Also, I don't really... I know it's technically a prequel, but, like, is the only parameter for something being a prequel that it's set before? Yeah, pretty much, I think, yeah. Because, because like, there's nothing prequely about Temple of Doom, is there, really? Mm. You know, um, but but anyway, I like Temple of Doom. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, <laughs> e- every Exorcist movie, bar Exorcist one and Exorcist three, is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely the Exorcist <laughs> would be my choice out of those. Um, but do you think there's one that's worse? Yeah, The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God yeah. Like, Any of them really. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand how they managed to screw that up as much as they did. Like it's actually a joke. Like the original Jackson's original um, trilogy is incredible. It perfectly captures the imagination, the yeah. sense of believability of the world, you know. And and I think the issue with the Hobbit is that like, as a book, it's a lot smaller mm. and it's a lot more of a kid's story, obviously. So it needs a different approach. Yeah. But Jackson seems like intent on trying to twist it into like a six film oh. arc with Lord of the Rings, and it's just fucking it awful. Is. Like, it looks ugly, the acting's rubbish, it's a mess, mm-hmm. it's too long, it's boring. And I and I hate saying that something's boring as a criticism, but like it's so dull. Mm. Like it and and it and it leaps from these fantastical moments of childish wonder, like from the book, yeah. and into these uninteresting, over dramatic moments that feel designed solely to tie back in with the lord of the rings i i just hate it it was such yeah. a disappointment for me it just reeks like, i couldn't believe it just it. reeks of of money grabbing done it really that's the i think that's it, just you can just see it you know the fact that it's yeah, across it, it's spread across three films you know i think it was originally going to be two films wasn't it and then they said and then it changed to three films and you just think well, why so my so my pitch would be make it as a mini series, you know, yeah. like six to eight episodes each an hour, forty minutes, mm-hmm. and and frame because that helps with the episodic nature of it, yeah. right? Um, but then frame it as it being Ian Holmes, Bilbo, yeah. telling the story to a child Fro- Frodo. Yeah, yeah. So you so what you're seeing is the version of the story that Bilbo's telling a child. Yeah not the actual story and then you can get away with like the musical numbers and all of yeah. that stuff you know i just don't think um, they but... had the balls to do it at that time a miniseries it was and it's a shame really because it's like if it's the lord of the rings which is probably the most popular franchise since star wars and yeah that it would have easily just it, you know that would have probably started the trend you know the trend of great 
sort of mini series of, of you know or extensions of, of franchises and things because there's been a, a fair few despite your uh, hating on the Star Wars ones um, you know there's, there's been some good ones with like the Marvel stuff and that and I think that would have probably kick-started it a little bit earlier yeah probably and you know if you did like the the bedtime story thing you could do like a princess bride thing have Frodo interrupt you know, maybe do both versions of the discovery of the ring mm. you know have have uh, Frodo say well that's not how you told me and then they tie the other one away Jackson should have just given me my Tintin sequel that's what he should have done yeah Tintin was great yeah you know thanks for the Hobbit but I hate it leave me alone <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so then moving on to another episode with uh, Vanessa this is episode 17 uh, in which we took discussed our choices for the best film based on a toy line uh, with Masters of the Universe from 1987 and Clue from 1985. So I wanted to ask you about this. I wanted to ask you about what counts. Because, um, so do board games count? Because obviously if Clue... Yeah, as long as it was a toy first. Because if that's the case, then legitimately I think my pick would be Ouija Origin of Evil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> the the Mike Flanagan film. Yeah, that counts. Um, not the really shit first one. The <laughs> the actually surprisingly good Mike Flanagan one. Um, I, to be on, but, I, I'm going to be honest. I've not seen either of the Ouija films or, or any of. Don't, I don't know if there's more than. Don't two. watch the first one. Don't watch the first one. Like that's a, it's a warning. I think I was very <laughs> I was very much had a sort of spell of horror fatigue. I think around that time and and especially the sort of Hollywoodish um, horror films. I was well I'm a I'm a big I'm a big Flanagan fan you see so so I I just watched everything that he made basically um he's just so yeah, he's so I mean, hit and miss for me Mike Flanagan at the minute because I I love Doctor Sleep um and some I mean I've not seen a lot of his stuff sort of before he started to get big the only one I've seen is um in a, in Absentia which I think was his first one his first yeah, film was a yeah. really fascinating film, really good film. But it's like his series. I what I, I I just sort of avoided them a little bit, I suppose. But well, I don't think Bly Manor's especially good. No. Um, and I and I wasn't that enamoured with the Midnight Club, but but I think you know Hush, um, Gerald's Game, yeah. Doctor Sleep is mm-hmm. is Doctor Sleep's probably the best thing he's done. Yeah. I think. Um, Midnight Mass, The Haunted Hill Mass. House. I really, I, I really liked, I really, really liked Fall of the House of Usher. Mid- as well. Midnight Mass is the, the the most recent thing that I've had to binge. I stayed up till two a.m. on a work night as well, you know, on a school night to watch the last three episodes because I was that just that into it. Midnight Mass is a masterpiece, an absolute masterpiece. Oh, it's it's so good. I I I see people saying like, oh, there's too too many monologues, but I don't understand that criticism. Give me more monologues. More films need to have people just talking into the camera for ten minutes. <laughs> I, I I love a good monologue. I don't I don't understand the criticism, you know. <laughs> but are, are there any monologues in Ouija or Origin of Evil? I'm not sure. I'd have to rewatch this Flanagan though. So probably I. I I I wouldn't be surprised if I rewatched it and it turned out the entire film was actually just a monologue because it because yeah. it is uh, funny. <laughs> I want to I want to give an honourable mention though. Okay. Is that am I allowed you, to do that? On. Yeah, go for um, it. Because because upon researching what films were actually based on a toy line, I discovered that Mars Attacks. Is, yes, yes, card <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and Mars Attacks is a banger that people need to people need to talk about more because because that film has Jack Nicholson playing two different characters for no fucking reason. <laughs> and also Tom Jones and Danny DeVito yeah. and like Michael J. Fox and so yeah, Mars Attacks. It was a con- great. it was a consideration for me, but you know, it's it's always gonna be Master of the Universe, unfortunately. <laughs> I, do I do like film. I do like Masters of the Universe, um, but it's just I don't know. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit boyish for me. I think I think that like that's a weird thing to say. But do you know what I mean? I think it's a little bit sort of like I don't know. I'm not really, you know. And uh, who who's in it? What what's the Dolph name? Main Dolph Lundgren. Mm. Yeah, he's he's not not quite Arnie, is he? <laughs> No, I guess not. I guess not. It has got Courtney Cox in it. Courtney though, Cox, think, yeah. It? Like, yeah, yeah. Frank yeah. Langella so, as Skeletor as well. He's pretty. Well, of course, yeah. Um, I mean, Frank Frank Langella. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we uh, so uh, next up, episode eighteen, humble pie. Uh, we called this, or films that we avoided but ended up loving, which was my choice of The Warriors from nineteen seventy nine, and Nicole's choice of uh, Chud from 1984 so this, this i mean this is the you know this is more of a subject for for very sort of personal choices i suppose really rather than uh necessarily you know what's the better film but um so, so what what would what would you have picked for that one so i i when i was picking my choices i went through them chronologically mm-hmm. from the list that you sent over and when i got to this one i went shit i'm gonna have to pick one of my other choices and then i'm gonna have to swap like come up for something okay. else for that um so it's psycho 2 and psycho 3 um yeah. because obviously psycho is a classic as a as a kid i had quite a complicated relationship with psycho um because there's the cross dressing element um and although I didn't really get it at the time, that that intrigues me in a way, I guess. So, yeah. like, um, obviously, Psycho can be seen as a bit of an issue when it comes to trans representation, mm-hmm. especially in Hollywood movies. Like, like, the horror genre does not have a particularly good track record when it comes to trans representation. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a certain type of film, I, I like to call it the transomatic, right? <laughs> Which is like the revenge matic Yeah. Um, and it's a film where it turns out at the end that the killer is trans or, or at least that the killer is like movie trans, mm-hmm. you know, with, with quotation marks, which is basically just where a character is coded trans because they question their gender or they go against gender norms or, or whatever. Like the audience doesn't really make the distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no distinction between like Norman Bates and and just an actual trans woman, right, in terms of like the way that movies present us. Um, that has got better in more recent years, but um, to someone without like the knowledge or understanding or ability to read it and think about it, I think they're they're both just a man in a dress. Like that's a really shitty thing to say, mm. but so so post Psycho because it was so influential and so incredible. You get like William Castle's Homicidal. You get Dressed to Kill, mm-hmm. the Brian De Palma film. You get Sleepaway Camp, um, and and of course you get the the granddaddy of them all, you get the Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs. Um, and it's a bit of an issue. Yeah. And pretty much all of that stems from Psycho. But that is because Psycho's just that influential, yeah. right? And it's because Psycho is an actual masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like, Psycho's pretty much perfect. Bar the, bar the final 
uh, scene exposition dump, which, like, as a kid, I actually found that quite helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's basically the perfect movie. So, and it's, like, basically the per It's not my favourite Hitchcock film, but it is, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why it's spawned, it's had so much impact, yeah. is because it's such a... So when I found out that there were sequels, I was like, uh, <laughs> no, fuck off. Mm -hmm. Like, no way. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, it was made even worse because I found that when I, when I discovered that, I found out that they were like, they're, this, we're talking about this, the height of the slasher boot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's 83, 84. Mm -hmm. And like, it's 80s excess. You know, you're, you're asking me to like blend in my head the burning and psycho. Yeah. And like, that's those two things, don't you know? Um, I'm not sure they should go together. That's definitely just a cash grab. That was basically what I thought. It's like this is definitely a cash mm -hmm. grab, definitely. But but no, they're not. Like, I mean, no. Like they they are so much better than they should mm -hmm. be. Like they are actually like the Psycho franchise. At, at least the first trilogy yeah. is is all pretty brilliant. Like the second one takes all the threads from Hitchcock's film and then expands on yeah. them. Like so clever, and it has a genuinely shocking twist as well, mm -hmm. which like, I don't want to spoil. But like it works in conversation with Hitchcock's film, yeah. and it also sort of undoes a lot of the problematic elements of the original yeah. as well because it focuses very much on norman as a character you know like in the original norman's the the villain mm -hmm. he's very much a side character we spend a little bit of time with him um but we don't really know a lot about him until the end and by that point we just know that he's murdering people dressed as his mum <laughs> whereas like in the sequels it becomes his story yeah. it's about norman and anthony perkins is so good oh yeah like he's yeah. so so good I mean, he's fantastic in the original, but he is genuinely incredible in mm -hmm. these. Like, they're they're surprisingly gory too, yeah. which like you know they don't they don't sort of skimp on on that element, <laughs> which is cool. But like, they're just so shockingly good. I if you've not seen them, like I cannot recommend Psycho two and three enough. Like, yeah. I think the first one was directed by Richard Franklin, who did um, Road Games. I think which I which I've not actually seen, mm -hmm. but I really want to. But but he often gets lumped in with De Palma as being like one of Hitchcock's uh, students right. or like you know whatever. Um, and and it was written by Tom Holland, not Spider. Man. <laughs> um, yeah, Fright, Fright Night and yeah. Child's Play, Tom Holland. Um, and Psycho Three is directed by Perkins, and Psycho yeah. Three is a really like it's like it's like Perkins knows how to direct. I mean, there's some really yeah. interesting stuff going on in Psycho Three. Yeah, which so, one is, is Three? The one with that got um, uh, you know, the lawnmower man in it, Jeff Fahey. <laughs> Fahey. Oh, it might Fahey. do. Three, Three's the one. Three's the one. Who's the, he's the, the nun? He runs the. Like... It's the guy, uh, the Jeff. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Fahey or Fahey or whatever. He's the he's who's running the motor because in the second one it's it's Dennis Franz isn't it in the second one yeah I think who's, so who's taken over the motel running of yeah. the motel basically so yeah it must be the third one that Jeff Fahey's in because the third one's the one where there's like a there's like a nun that yes. looks like Marion yeah. Crane yeah. and she comes like and she tries to so Norman goes to kill her repeat the the thing and she's tried to kill herself and he like it breaks him out mm -hmm. of it and like 
It's just, they're so good, like genuinely. Like I, I'd put Psycho two and three up there with like Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like someone tell David Gordon Green to watch these movies, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like because they are so Somebody genuinely. Strap him to a chair and open and stick much sticks in his <laughs> eyes to watch these. But yeah, I agree. You know, to, Psycho two is proper psychologically scary, and it's just yeah, it just takes that. You know, it's and it's a different kind of tension to like you say to the to the first one because you know we are now with anthony perkins and we know his history and it's not you know you know yeah and it's the like like i said it's the way that it works in that conversation with the original Mm -hmm. right so like you said like because we know we've seen the original so we know we're we're now questioning everything that we're being told in in this Mm -hmm. one you know like it's it's so good. Like, it is so good. It, should, it has no right to be as <laughs> no, good as it is. No, absolutely not, no. But it is no. brilliant, yeah. Uh, okay, so then, sort of ended on a slightly different note. Um, episode 19, uh, in which myself and Tarquin taught our choices of best workplace comedy uh, with Clerks from 1994 and Car Wash from 1976. So um, I've never seen Car Wash. I've never even heard of it. No, no, no I, um, I hadn't, to be fair. Tarquin, Tarquin's uh, very good at coming up with films that are, are quite um, a little bit more obscure. I'm glad that I did see it, though. He's come up with some really good choices. Was it good, was it? I, I enjoyed, I, I I enjoyed it. it. I mean, it wasn't what I was expecting because it, it's a, it's a um, you know, you go, you search for it in the posters of Richard Pryor and, you know, a big Richard Pryor face on the front cover and all that sort of stuff. So you think it's going to be a, you know, a Richard Pryor film. Um, and it's not, it is just, it's it's a very sort of sweet comedy, really, about these guys that work in a car wash, and, you know, the, most of them are brand, there is a There is a trans character in it as well. Um, oh, wow, which okay, is, yeah. It, which I thought was quite interesting, because it's not, they're not, there are, there are a few sort of slurs that are thrown at this character, but generally, you know, this group of guys who are all sort of, you know, some of them are sort of hard criminals and stuff that are, you know, just working a job. And the, the, I thought i'd be interested to see your hear your take on it because i thought that it was quite a good um it was good portrayal and it was it it, it was very i thought it was reasonably respectful especially for 1976 well i mean any i, I will definitely check it out now because it, the way to get me to watch a movie is to tell me that there's a trans character in it because I will just, I will lap up representation, you know, either I will sit there gleefully enjoying the representation or I will sit there seethingly hate watching it. I mean, now, <laughs> and I'm happy to do both of those things. <laughs> I would, I would, I would, I would say though that, I mean, the only problem with it is really is that it's not an actual, the actor isn't a trans actor. It's, well, I mean, this is par for the course yeah, for that it's, sort of um, time period, it's, though, you know. Um, it's Antone- Antonio Fargus who played um, Huggy Bear in Starsky okay, and Hutch. Okay, okay. But I think, say, I'd be fascinated to hear what you what you think. No, no, I'll have to check mm. that out then. Yeah. I um, I, I really, really don't like Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. So, I mean, we talked about it in the episode. I'm not a massive fan of Kevin Smith, but I do love Clerks and I love Dogman. I just dog dogma is the one film of his that I think I would say is legitimately quite a good movie. Um, I I I find on occasion Jay and Silent Bob to be funny if I see little clips of them, mm-hmm. but I cannot stay. I, I they no. don't sustain no, a film no, no. for me. No. Like they just like um, 
and yeah i i don't i don't really like clerks i find i find it quite irritating actually um and i think it comes from that sort of like the age i was at when when clerks like blew up was like it became a very film broy film mm. in my mind so i just sort of like filtered it out i guess a little bit but i i couldn't believe that you guys did a workplace comedies episode and no one picked office space um well speaking for myself i haven't seen it so <sighs> but it is on my i have i have which you'll be able to see but the listeners won't i have a uh, hundred movies bucket list that i got from a pound from a charity shop and it is oh, on yeah. there, so at some point I'll be watching it because I'm trying to get through that, even though I've not scratched anything off it yet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, Office Space is brilliant. Like the office, like not to, <laughs> not to sound like a twat, but <laughs> Office Space is the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's you know Mike Judge obviously did uh, Beavis and Butthead, uh, King of the Hill, um, but. Like I used to work in an office, and it's this is what it's like, right? Like they're so dull, um, and you know, it it's just it, it's it's iconic. There's so much stuff about it that's iconic. Like it is it is like a bullshit job. The movie, <laughs> like it captures it so perfectly. Um, it there, there's so much to love about it. You've got um, Stephen Roots Milton is, is a character. You know, he's iconic and his stapler um there's there's like the jump to conclusions matt gary cole is bill lumberg who's the boss like and he's always he comes in he says you know we're going to need you to work until tuesday or we're going to need you to you know like it's, it, it, it's so it's so good um you know david david herman i think plays plays michael bolton no relation all right okay <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just, it's just brilliant. Ron Livingston's neighbor, I can't remember the character's name, but he's iconic. <clears throat> and, and and then there's Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer yeah. Aniston's in it. And she and she's brilliant as well. You know, my favorite bit of that whole movie is her saying that this is just me expressing myself while giving her manager the finger. Like it's 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 great, you know. The printer sequence, which like I mean, if you've not seen it, I'm sure you probably have seen some sort of parody of that sequence at least, because like it's just what a movie like what apparently judge made a film in 2009 called extract um which i think's right. got jason bateman in it and it's supposed to be like a companion piece to office space but i'd never heard of it until i was making my notes for this episode oh, right. okay. so so I, I that's what i'm going to do after we finish recording <laughs> is watch extract because like off yeah you get on it get on I it i shall get on it <laughs> Okay, um, so that's it. That's 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 your your ten subjects, uh, Lexi. Listen, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been oh no worries. Thank you so much for having absolute me. Absolute pleasure. Some really great choices, um, and uh, one or two controversial ones, I suppose. But just um, obviously, if you want to check out any of Lexi's work, um, I will be putting some links in the show notes. Um, so you'll be able to find uh, all of the uh, it's it, is it sorry is it it's ta- tran- it's Transylvania yes yeah so it's Transylvania because Transylvania just takes you straight to the the place <laughs> um, yeah I didn't think it through when I named it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but there was a band sort of early two thousands called A 
they were called okay. A. They had a reasonably big hit with the song called uh, Nothing and Starbucks, but it's like they're the worst band to search for on anything because you put <laughs> A in, you yeah. just get everything, and it's just bonkers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on, Lexi. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having um, me. And um, it just leaves me to say goodbye and for Lexi to say... Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays.